Good morning. It is Friday, February 16th. I'm your host, Anastasia Glova. I know that just as I am, you are all preparing for a long holiday weekend, courtesy of our nation's first president, George Washington. But I also hope that you take a moment to think about the meaning of President's Day and the legacy of one of the most important founding fathers. Today, David Bowes, Cato's executive vice president, has a few words to share about George Washington. Who is the man on the $1 bill? Well, George Washington was the man who established the American Republic. And we've had a republic for so long that we forget how unusual it was. There hadn't really been a popular republican government in the world before. And so the American revolutionaries were trying to do something different. They were trying to genuinely create a self-governing system that would protect liberty. And they wanted to have elected officials, but they worried about the dangers of majoritarian democracy. So they tried to create a republic. And George Washington was the man who had held them together through the revolution, had brought the country together in his person. He sort of incarnated the values that the Americans were trying to achieve. And so Washington was the man who led the Revolutionary Army against the British Empire. He then served as the first president, and most importantly, he stepped down after two terms. And again, Every president steps down after two terms. Now it's a law. And for 150 years, it wasn't a law, but it was always done. But we forget people didn't used to do that. George Washington established that principle for the first time. Would you say that he was one of the great thinkers of his time? Well, there were several million Americans. And sure, George Washington was in the top 1% more than the top 1%. But if you think about the other people of the time that that have gone down in history, George Mason, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, those are people who left behind important essays, deep thoughts on the nature of liberty and republicanism. And George Washington didn't do that. He didn't leave any long essays. He left a lot of writings, but they're mostly just letters and a few speeches. So, If you were raising a son, you should tell him to read Thomas Jefferson, but to try to be like George Washington. Why did he shun kingship, unlike most of the great commanders of his time and before him? Because he was a Republican. One of the French writers talked about the American, this new man. Well, maybe Washington symbolized this new man that was growing up in America. It was crucial to Washington that... We were not just going to replace one monarchy with another. And again, this doesn't seem like a surprise to us. Of course, America is a republic. But at the time, everybody had come from Europe. Every country in Europe had a king. And so even when you overthrew an occupying government, you created a new government that had a king or kings fought to see who would control a piece of land. And there were a lot of people who thought George Washington should become king. In particular, there were some officers of the army who thought that. And, you know, you had an army, and they could have seized Congress and installed Washington as king. Some of them even proposed to do that. But Washington said, no, that is not what we fought for. He gave this beautiful, dramatic speech when they were meeting to discuss this and just left them all humiliated and embarrassed that they had ever thought of such a thing. Washington even made the point at one time that he would be a good person to be the first president because he had no son. And that would make it impossible to establish a dynasty 
because he had no son to succeed him. And that could have been a real risk. Historians have asked, what if George Washington had had a son? If he had succeeded to the presidency, maybe it would have become a monarchy. Washington was a man of Republican values. He believed in a republic, and he believed that no man was divinely ordained to rule, and he actually insisted on living by that rule. Now, as we celebrate President's Day, what should Americans keep in mind about the precedent set by their first president? Well, we should think about the fact, if you think about the great military commanders of history, Caesar, Lenin, Cromwell, Napoleon, all of them, once they won their victory, took power. Some of them called themselves king, some of them called themselves lord protector, but they all ruled arbitrarily. Washington didn't. And what we should keep in mind is that Some historians say he was the first such person to have done that since Cincinnatus in the ancient days of classical Rome. Now, it's hard to believe that somewhere in that 2,500 years there wasn't another such person, but this is what historians have said. So it was a totally unique thing. Now, what should we keep in mind? Well, one of the things we should keep in mind is that Washington established a precedent that lasted for 150 years. No president ever tried to serve more than two terms. Theodore Roosevelt, who filled in part of a term and then ran for another, said nobody should serve more than eight years. So nobody should serve more than Washington. Only when American tradition ran into the overweening ambition of Franklin Delano Roosevelt did this tradition change. So one thing we should remember is one of the reasons you have to write down rules in the Constitution is occasionally you'll get a man like Franklin Roosevelt who won't obey the unwritten rules, and so you have to write them down. One downside of George Washington is that Washington was a man of such character and such integrity and such dignity that the founders probably gave the presidency more power than they would have if there had been no George Washington to assume the presidency. They thought, well, George Washington can be trusted with these powers, and he could. But the problem is not all presidents are George Washington. And so we created a presidency that's probably more powerful than it should have been because we trusted the man who was going to have it first. The majority of support for the Cato Institute's work comes from individuals, and Cato depends solely on tax-deductible contributions to provide the public with a wealth of free resources, including this podcast. We hope you'll consider supporting or even joining Cato. For information, please go to www.cato.org.